Welcome back, Madrin. This is uh, episode 23, I believe. Uh, so welcome, Ooh. welcome back. Do you feel Thank welcome you. I feel, to the I show? do feel so welcomed Good. to my own show. Good. But thank you. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like I always <laughs> say it, but I, I don't always think like, you know, does does she feel welcome? Do, do the I do, thank welcome, you. you. I know? appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I like a good check-in. Yeah, you know, like, I want to say it today. What about you, Will? Do you feel welcomed? Are you welcome I, today? You know what? I do feel welcome. I Great. feel welcome on, on the Zoom. Yeah. I'm very happy for that. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so we're your hosts, Will and Madrin, and we're back for another episode. <laughs> um, I have an important uh, question for you, Madrin, as I often do. I like that you often have an important question for me. Yeah. I've, uh, this is part now, of the this welcoming. Is, Yes, it's part of the welcoming experience that I that I have thought through this uh, in advance. Um, very important, uh, you know. The world hangs upon this uh, information. Ooh. Do you like onions? <laughs> I do. I love onions. I put onions in pretty much everything I cook. If I'm making dinner, you can be guaranteed that it almost always starts with saute some onions and garlic. Nice. Yeah. What is it yeah. that you like about onions? Is, so it's the it's the saute. Yeah, well, I yeah, I like that uh, you know they're kind they're savory when you get mm-hmm. them caramelized. You've got that like uh, what's the what's the term umami? Ooh. You know that you know it's a really good supporting base mm-hmm. food for the rest. Like it makes other food taste mm-hmm. better. Like you make a carrot soup, it's vastly improved if you've sautéed an onion into it That's first. True. Right? For me, you make the... a stir fry, it's vastly improved with some onion in there. You mm-hmm. know. For me, it's the smell. I feel like it yeah. really just like makes you feel like you're making a real kind of meal when you've got something. Right, it's that like savory f- aroma filling. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. like my husband will come downstairs and be like, oh my God, dinner smells so good. What are you making? And at that point, I have only ever just gotten to the point of sauteing the onions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people so like onions. Go. But yeah. you know what else people like uh, about onions? Uh, some people say that um, they like the the layer elements uh, of onions. I li- and, yeah, you know, I like what that brings like... to uh, to a personality. Uh, I feel like our guest today can maybe tell us uh, whether they think that uh, they like onions or the the layers involved in onions. Uh, maybe they have some sort of uh, experience uh, of relating to this particular uh, vegetable. This is a vegetable. This is a vegetable, right? It's not some sort of secret fruit. Uh, I don't think it's a fruit. I. I want to say it's a vegetable. It's definitely a root vegetable. Well, we'll find out from our guest today, uh, who hopefully has a little bit more knowledge on onions than we do. I'm not really sure onions are actually that related to our monster this week. It's really I don't know about that. We're running uh, with the bit. I feel like uh, <laughs> it, it's it, it crucial to their existence because today's monster is ogres.
with this monster, like many of our monsters, we have an idea of what it is. But when I did the research, I found that it was a little bit different than what I had expected. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I that was exactly my experience this week as well, too. That I was like, oh, I know what an ogre is. I don't what how much how much research do I need to do? And then I actually started really looking into it and what makes an ogre different from say a giant mm -hmm. right there's lots of overlap but definitely they are two different beings for sure it seems i've got a few different almost like origins of ogres or kind of like worlds of ogres like within folklore and mythology etc so i'll kind of just like talk through those um the ones in folklore are traditionally portrayed as child-eating monsters who sometimes have magical or supernatural powers. Um, but unlike the way I think that we imagine the modern ogre as kind of like, you know, Neanderthal-esque characters, which, uh, you know, are hopefully not the, the way that our uh, guest uh, exists or would be offended by me saying that, but uh, these ogres within fairy tales were um, often quite lavish, like they had a very fine clothing and they lived in a fancy castle. Um, they were still like evil monsters that ate children, but they were almost uh, quite regal and fancy, which I thought was really interesting because that's oh, not that is what really I imagine. Yeah, that kind of goes along with the one of the things that surprised me the most about uh, ogres when I was looking into them is that the word ogre is of French origin mm -hmm. which kind of, like that kind of makes sense to me now and now of course that you're describing that they live very regally with these fine clothings and, and the castles and things like that and I was like yeah most of a lot of the times the French don't don't half-ass <laughs> it you know yeah they're very in my mind French is fancy <laughs> yeah well there's a few different origins just kind of while we're on it yeah the, the word ogre is borrowed from French but there's also um, from Latin Orcus, which is like the god of the underworld, and uh, Orcos, which is the personified demon of oaths, uh, which is Greek, um, and that god inflicts punishment upon perjurers. Like, uh, they're not directly ogres, but it seems to tie into this kind of ogre and orc, and like, you can almost just imagine the words kind of meld together over time. Um, but that's earlier. So that's, anyway, so there's the the kind of regal fairy tale ogre and then in mythology that seems to be where we fall into more of the like ogres are have overlap with giants and cyclops um mm -hmm. so yeah very like large ugly probably you know you know dirty different colored skin uh -huh. and then an overarching theme that i found a lot of the time with ogres is that they really love eating human beings, especially babies. Yeah, a lot of children and like, yeah, they're basically giant cannibals. Um, yes. They have, a, some of them have a lot of hair too, like mm -hmm. their uh, hair in strange places. Um, yeah. I know, but they've got a lot of it and it's all over the place. And I think it's part of what makes it kind of gross and like excessive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I had some that are like have a disproportionately large head. Now I'm just imagining like uh, one of those bobble heads with a tiny body <laughs> and a giant head, and like, I wonder like, how they don't fall over. But they're supposed to be and like really long hair. <laughs> yeah, like inhumanly large. Uh, I think some are like 
nine or 10 feet tall. Um, but just like the fact that they're disproportionate is interesting to me too. Um, that that's part of, I don't know what they are. Um, and in both cases, especially in folklore, but a little bit in the mythology, um, the idea of the ogre is often used as a method of like instilling good behavior in children, suggesting that like your bad behavior excites the ogre. Um, and then that they'll attack and kidnap and uh, eat you. Like if you do bad things, um, like kind of as like a you know fairy tale lesson, um, which maybe uh, Krampus could relate to as well. Um, but basically I feel like the more forward in time we go, the closer they get to being this kind of cave dwelling giant in the forest that is like simpler. And there are more cases of um, almost like brighter ogres that aren't so much like vicious killing evil machines they're more like shy and reclusive like the idea of an ogre that just like lives in a cave in the woods and is trying to avoid you is a more modern idea um of an ogre which i think is interesting so yeah i think uh, in of... yeah in a lot of the mythology that i was reading about it's kind of you know all, along the same lines of what you were saying is that originally ogres were actively trying to seek out people usually children who were doing things that society considered to be bad or wrong or immoral mm -hmm. versus just like oh i'm this giant creature who happens to live out in the forest and if you leave me alone i'll leave you alone mm -hmm. yeah i guess we have uh, a little bit more empathy for our monsters these days uh, which might uh, improve their relationship to us as well um but yeah they basically it feels like the um more modern um idea of the the ogre came from uh the 17th century uh, it was really popularized by works by charles perrault who's the guy who did uh tales of mother goose who's french and also did uh puss in boots and it's interesting because i mean i was we can talk about this in pop culture but uh i thought you know there's the puss in boots movie and i was like oh that'll be perfect it'll like deal with the like mythology and i read it i didn't watch it but i read that it has in fact no ogres there in it. are no like, ogres in brutal <laughs> because it's just the... really funny because that especially the puss in boots movie uh that dreamworks came out with is a spin-off of a very famous ogre movie to begin with <laughs> so exactly. it's just funny that there's not a single one in that movie. exactly but also i read the the kind of puss in boots like it you know very short um story uh folktale and it's very much like features an ogre like it um i don't know i'll go to talk through it a little bit but basically um there's a kingdom and uh, three sons and they all inherit something uh, I think from the death of their their father the king or whatever one of them gets uh, a property one of them gets a donkey and the youngest one gets a cat and they decide that they can't like the guy who lives with the cat can't live with them and I don't know he has a cat or they have allergies or something it was unspecific as to why they, they couldn't live with him but basically this guy gets a cat and he's thinking like oh this sucks I don't get you know a way to travel or a place to live but Puss in Boots has all of these skills, basically, that helps him leverage his own um, success. So uh, basically, uh, he uh, uh, traps a bunch of um, rabbits in his sack and then trades those rabbits um, for other things. And at a certain point, 
he like works up uh, Puss in Boots, the like cat that he inherited, the talking cat, works up enough leverage that he meets with an ogre who lives in a castle and is talking to him and, and he's like, oh, you seem very fearsome. Like you have the ability to be very scary. And like, I heard that you can transform. And he goes, oh yeah, I can transform. I can transform into anything like big scary things or whatever. And he's like, wow, that's a big scary thing. Can you transform into anything small? Like what's the smallest thing you can transform into? And so the ogre transforms into a mouse and Puss in Boots eats it. And it's this like sense of, uh, like it, it hits a lot of the ogre tropes that we're talking about historically of the ogre that lives in the castle, um, the ogre that's like fearsome and almost maybe even reclusive. Um, and in this case, um, which is quite popular, it also has shape-shifting powers, which we might not think of as being core uh, to the ogre lore, um, but Puss in Boots in that story is is pretty core to where we have our modern ogre. So I thought that was interesting. Um, the earliest origin I could find in actual writing was like a 12th century um, story by Chrétien de Troyes, de Troyes, I think it is. Um, and in it, he writes, um, it, it is written that he will come again to the realm of Logre, which was formerly land of ogres and destroy them with that land. So this that's just idea of there's a land of ogres back as early as the 12th century. And that's grown into like what we imagine it to be. But yeah, um, I, I was reading that there's kind of like a pseudo historical idea that the ogres were the previous inhabitants of Britain before humans came to be yeah i saw some crossover for ogres and neanderthals too which is right which that makes sense yeah i mean i wonder how long it took for the neanderthals to kind of die out because they kind of can, uh, broke up into different what we became as a human and neanderthals kind of split paths um so i'm sure that there's maybe um, a scientific way to look through that as well but anyway um I just think it's interesting seeing how many places um, the ogres have been uh, built out of. Like we have obviously this very popular French uh, version of the ogre that goes into folklore. We have uh, the Greek ogre, we have Latin ogre. And one of my favorites, I know that generally you like to talk about ogres all over the world, but I feel like I really want to get in on this one, which is the Oni. Yeah. Um, which is uh, basically they have similarities to the ogres of Britain, um, but they're uh, Japanese. And mm -hmm. this monster is known to have oddly colored skin, red or blue. They have a lot of hair. Um, they have large fangs, almost like a, like vampire fangs. They hunger for human flesh and they eat children. Um, and basically because they exist as well in Japan it's just interesting to see how many people in the world believed in this thing like as we often have um seeing Oni and Orcus and Orcos and Ogre like you start to see similar things that just bleed into what we imagine an ogre to be yeah and I like the the Oni are often depicted in a rather stereotypical ogre way where they have a tiger skin loincloth and they mm. carry an iron club called the cannibal. Ooh, yeah. uh, and apparently there's actually like a fairly common phrase in Japan, which translates to Oni with an iron club, which mm. means somebody is invincible or undefeatable. Mm -hmm. So it's become very much part of, of general Japanese 
culture. Mm-hmm. I just found a lot of like the art and like depictions of the Oni were really fascinating too. Yeah, they often have uh, one or maybe even multiple horns coming from their heads. They have mm-hmm. sharp claws, tusks. They're, I've, I've seen paintings of them where they're bright blue or bright mm-hmm. red, which is really cool. They sometimes have um, an extra eye yeah. or extra fingers or I toes. I like the three-eyed, the three-eyed one. Um, yeah. Like there's some that are Cyclops as well. It reminds me of just like the three-eyed fish in The Simpsons or something. That they're just like, part of what makes them gross is they just have the wrong number of things. Like having too many fingers mm-hmm. or too many eyes or too few of something. It just speaks to this kind of... Um, literally inhuman thing which is part of what makes them i think fearsome Mm -hmm. and scary yeah Um, and it's interesting how there is there seems to be some word of for an ogre pretty much everywhere in the world i was finding mm -hmm. one that is called the kelet which is an ogre in the uh chukchi mythology they are mm -hmm. an indigenous people who live basically on this like teeny tiny peninsula that's part of the Bering Sea, mm-hmm. which is kind of, it's like a kind of technically within the Russian Federation, but they are certainly not of the Russian culture. Okay. So they're like, they're a rather small indigenous people, but they still have this very prominent myth of the Kelet, um, which, yeah, it's like, it's, that's their version of the the ogre you know they're cannibals they're often the personification of death and disease Mm. um they come sometimes they come from underground or from a separate world in the sky Mm -hmm. uh they live very isolated in the wilderness they prey on travelers but part that i thought was cool is that they will often hunt with dogs and the dogs themselves can kind of change size to fit however big the kelet decides to project its itself um and then apparently there i did not read the the veracity of this story but apparently there is one story that it depicts the kelet with having a group of fire breathing reindeer cool i was like that's pretty badass i would Uh like that'll give santa a run for his money yeah yeah um do you have any other monsters of the world uh, that you would like to discuss in the the world of ogres? Any ogre things or ogre adjacent things? Yeah, there's another one that I thought the 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 origin story behind it was really quite interesting in Manx for uh, folklore. So these are the people who are uh, who live on the Isle of Man. There is an ogre called the Bougain. Mm-hmm. Uh and they they have a pretty stereotypical depiction of what we think an ogre looks like they're covered with coarse black hair fiery eyes glittery sharp tusks Mm -hmm. but uh the the story that i found most amusing about this is that there was a bugain who um so one of the most defining features of a bugain is that they cannot cross bodies of water and that's why essentially they are bound to the island of man Oh, cool. So there's one story where one found himself being an unintended stowaway on a ship that was going to Ireland. Mm -hmm. And when he realized what was happening, he was determined to go back to the Isle of Man and go back home. So he caused a storm Mm -hmm. to force the ship back toward Isle of Man. Mm -hmm. But the captain promised uh, St. Trinian that he would build a chapel in his honor if the saint would guide the ship safely back to harbor. Um, 
And the Buchanan became very upset by this promise that had been made. And so said, if a church is ever built in St. Trinian's honor, he'll never have a whole church. And so this chapel was built three, uh, the chapel was built and three separate times the Buchanan tore the roof off of it. Mm. So now there even is a St. Trinian's church in on the Isle of Man that has no roof on it. Cool. And people are like, it's because you can't put one on there because the Bugain will take it off again. So like, there's really no point in mm. doing this. Yeah. And I like that they've like <laughs> surrendered to that, you know, however many hundreds of years right? ago. Right, they're just going to be like, ogre's going to ogre, like, just don't put the roof on it. Yeah, yeah let's just not even try. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I love, always love hearing about kind of um, adjacent monsters all over the world, but I figured to kind of crystallize the idea of what we imagine to be uh, a modern monster, um, I would just talk about uh, the ogre as it relates to Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I have my monster manual here. Version Wait, doesn't that count as pop culture? 3.5. You know, in this case, I feel like the description was more useful on the broader sense. Um, <laughs> it like uh, all right. I, we'll I, let I, it slide. I had the we'll kind of thought slide. that like technically it is pop culture, but this is I'm less interested in like how you would play as an ogre, but I thought just the description was useful. Uh, in terms of defining like the way that we imagine the monster. Um, so here it says, uh, ogres are big, ugly, greedy creatures that live by raiding and scavenging. They join other monsters to prey on the weak and associate freely with ogres, mages, giants, and trolls. Lazy and bad-tempered, ogres solve problems by smashing them, but they can't smash, they either ignore or flee. Um, dwelling in small tribal groups, Ogres occupy any convenient location and eat nearly anything they can catch, steal, or slay. Um, ogres sometimes accept mercenary servants with other evil humanoids, including just normal humans. Uh, they stand nine or 10 feet tall. They weigh 600 to 650 pounds. Their skin color ranges from yellow to dull brown. Their clothing consists of poorly cured furs and hides. Uh, which add to their naturally repellent odor, and um, they speak giant. And I just feel like all <laughs> that's of those a language. Things, yeah, in D and T, they've defined it as a language, which I thought was an interesting kind of way to uh, incorporate that origin and like crossover with giant. That it would be a language you speak rather than like a thing that you are. Um, and I just thought like the specific the specifics of that was really useful for me for imagining the like precise size like 600 to 650 pounds is like not just tall that's that's thick <laughs> like that is a that is thick, yes. uh, thick humanoid you know very uh, yes. thick with two c's um as <laughs> thick with two c's yeah. <laughs> um, and i think too we would be remiss if we did not point out just how incredibly influential the original depictions in you know, French literature and, and things of that nature, how just incredibly influential they were on Tolkien and his version of orcs. Yeah. Like if yeah. it wasn't, you know, and like, and you were saying too, that there's the Latin word of orcus is where, mm -hmm. you know, that comes from and that sort of thing. So clearly uh, Tolkien took a lot of inspiration from those. So mm -hmm. while in my mind, I would think I, I would argue that ogres and orcs are two very different things. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, definitely we would be remiss if we did not, mentioned the fact that clearly mm -hmm. Tolkien was very influenced by these um these original French depictions. Yeah, you can track that uh 
all the way back to 12th century Latin, 17th century France, all the way to Amazon Prime, <laughs> The Rings of Power, <laughs> uh, which I have been enjoying. Well, uh, that seems like yeah, good time. That, uh, it's funny. I was on the subway yesterday and I happened to glance down at the person uh, sitting next to me and they were very obviously reading The Two Towers. And nice. I was like, I'm glad it's okay to be a nerd now, just yeah. like free, freely out in public, uh-huh. you know? It's a great, uh, a great reversal of our time, <laughs> nerddom uh, into uh, nerddom reigns supreme these days. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see a depiction of like modern high school where like all of the bullies play D and D, and all of the nerds are jocks who like just want to play football. Uh, that would make me really happy. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, well, you can imagine that uh, while we take a quick break, and when we get back, uh, we'll be digging into some pop culture. Welcome back, Madrin, to our very welcome version of the show today. It's so a warm nice, and welcoming. Nice, warm, welcoming uh, vibe that uh, that we've really fostered here for today's Come, episode. Come, welcome, everyone. Astrology. I hope you enjoy yourselves. Yeah, get yourself a nice beverage, you know, a nice cup of tea. I have already beer. had a cup of tea, and it really, oh. it it improved my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did have a couple cups of coffee, you know. Oh, we were recording. I really cannot say that it is early but it is much earlier than it is we typically earlier record. than usual so, uh, yeah i was I'll, waking I'll up early today to do some more research um and by this point i am well caffeinated and well awake anyway now that we're all uh mm-hmm. super welcome uh let's dive into some pop culture for ogres um I mean, I've got some other things, but I'll just go out and say that the one that I thought of right away and the one that was absolutely the thing that everything kept pointing me back to is Shrek. I would search so many lists of like movies with ogres and every single compilation of movie lists always like started and ended with a Shrek movie. Did you know about Shrek? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I did know about Shrek. I'm pretty sure I have seen all four of the films at different times. Uh, I rewatched the first one and you know what? Still holds up pretty good. Um, I think the like self-awareness of that film really like is, is great. The comedy still plays for adults and children alike. Um, and it was very successful, but basically it's kind of amazing that the Shrek franchise has become like the unofficial like gold standard for a DreamWorks. Like everything gets built mm-hmm. out around that is for sure their moneymaker. I think Fiona's theme is even in their like pre-movie rollout uh, graphic on, on every DreamWorks movie. It, it goes back to Shrek. So they know what their moneymaker is. Um, but for those who don't know about uh, the Shrek franchise, uh, basically it both plays into and subverts the ogre stereotype. So you've got, um, I think, an ogre that looks as we imagine an ogre to be, like stereotypical, large, strong. And I think the whole, like, you know, there's a debate about whether he's like hideous or scary um, and kind of like an ethical question that plays into the film. But basically he also subverts it, I think, by being quite funny. And like, instead of being a child eater, 
like he is that shy one that lives in the woods that really just wants to be left alone and like yeah know, he's it, quite he's quite misanthropic but he's certainly not malevolent no he just yeah he just wants to be left alone he just wants to kind of live his life and every time that he ends up scaring human beings it's because they came after him first mm-hmm. right like well, we see the the you know the villagers coming at him with their torches and pitchforks but mm-hmm. oh, they've only done that because he is an ogre it's not like he came around rampaging through their village they went after him first and then he just roared at them and scared them away simply out of self-preservation well and really the only reason he finds himself being this like protagonist hero is because a bunch of fairy tale characters are dumped in his swamp. And he says like, well, I want to get rid of you so I can be left alone. So I'll go mm-hmm. on this elaborate journey just so that I can be left alone. And ultimately, you know, softens into a person who has uh, some amount of friends uh, that don't judge him based off his appearance. Um, you know, because I didn't as- realize that... Um... This all came about because Steven Spielberg had, well, first of all, I didn't realize that this was a book to begin yes. with. Yes, was, wasn't it and, written by a kid as well? Like, isn't Shrek written by, uh, uh, I, I don't know. If William, like a... William Stagg is his name. No, I, I don't think it was a kid. I Well, he could be an adult now. Well, no, uh, he's dead now. Okay. He died well, he at age ninety. Wasn't, wasn't he died at, at age ninety-five in October of 20, 2003. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, I thought like I did that. not realize this, but Spielberg had bought the rights to the book, huh. and originally he intended for Bill Murray to voice Shrek. Oh, really? And then at at one point, Nicolas Cage was offered the role, but he turned it down. Yeah. And then actually what's really sad is I didn't know any of this. In 96, when things were really getting going, DreamWorks hired Chris Farley to voice him. This I And did he had know. recorded, yeah, he had recorded about 90% of the dialogue mm-hmm. already, but had died before they could complete the project. Mm-hmm. And so the whole thing was scrapped, including mm-hmm. the storyboards and all of the recording sessions and everything like that. There is, um, a, for those who are interested, like there is some um, videos that I've seen online with Chris Farley where they do like the early animation, like where it's kind of just like pencil drawn with some of his voice recordings that they released as kind of like bonus footage yes. and it is very yeah. endearing. Yeah. And so when DreamWorks then in 98 recast Mike Myers, he insisted on a complete script rewrite so that there wouldn't be any trace of Farley's version of Shrek mm-hmm. in there, which I, I completely understand, right? If somebody who is such a powerhouse of an actor like Chris Farley left his mark on that, mm-hmm. I would, I also too, if I knew that I was picking up somebody else's gauntlet that had been taken from him too soon, mm-hmm. I would want a total redo of it as well too well and it's it does make sense it explains i was looking on imdb and there's like eight writers on the movie which makes sense when you think about how many versions of the script how many probably went through were, yeah um yeah. and i also, also hadn't like... realized that um mike myers had actually recorded all of it and then went back and was like no i think he should have a scottish accent and insisted on scrapping all of it mm-hmm. and they had to completely redo all of his um voice recording as well so that he could use the Scottish accent. And mm-hmm. apparently that itself took about $4 million worth of animation wow. out <laughs> to redo it. But it's, everybody agreed that it made the the movie so much better that he was using this Scottish the thing accent. thing I think with, with Mike Myers is he's definitely someone who has a vision for the way that he wants something to manifest. And I think mm-hmm. for some people that can be 
difficult. Like just, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily problematic, but it is probably difficult. Like it's a hurdle, but that's where he does kind of his best stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it that, came, and it came from a really with the character now too. And absolutely. Continues absolutely. to voice it. Like in all of the spinoffs that they do, like I watched uh, like the Halloween version that they did on mm-hmm. Netflix. And it's well, still, and there are like so the many cast. different video games. Like I didn't realize that there is like a karaoke dance party uh-huh. from Shrek. Uh, did you know that Shrek has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I think I did know that actually. I don't know why. I That's know crazy. That. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah. huge. Shrek is like the ultimate... He ogre is. depiction it is impossible to separate there's and then there's the broadway musical that's been in you know it's in new york london toronto it's toured mm-hmm. everywhere it's just shrek is just an unstoppable force well for, for sure one of the biggest takeaways that i had from re-watching the first one just because i wanted a reminder of the shrek averse um <laughs> but it's very much kind of like a pop jukebox movie like there is so much kind of like brazen use of like 2000s music that almost makes it feel like a music video like it's really kind of bold in the way that it just drops like pop music into the film like they're not singing it it's not like a disney movie but it's like catchy music that it pushes it forward obviously like smash mouth and others but um I think I haven't seen the musical and I'm curious to see if some of that music is integrated, but this time watching it oh, yeah, the awareness like, that it, it has the... become a musical, I went, actually, I kind of get it. Like it, it's driven by an untraditional, really bold soundtrack in terms of how ingrained it is in the story. Yeah. Is it in this, the second Shrek movie that the fairy godmother does like an absolutely ripping version of holding out for a hero? It is. Yes. It's, it's that's Shrek fantastic. Two. Yeah. The first two are, are really solid films. The ones afterwards have their moments, but uh, Shrek one and two are kind of where it's at. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, if you've never seen the Shrek franchise, this is your week. You this really, is your you got to get in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And if you have uh, kids or if you're a grown adult like me making a podcast about monsters, uh, there's some stuff you could watch on Netflix that uh, is bonus <laughs> uh, Shrek content. Um, but if you're trying to get outside of the Shrek universe of Ogres, there are some other offerings for you. Um, uh, Ogres do appear in the film uh, which I watched, which is, I think, one of Terry Gilliam's strangest movies and hardest to follow, which is Time Bandits, um, where basically the protagonists end up on this ship. There's like a scene where they fall into this ship or they, I don't know, it's hard because they're bouncing around with time. I can't remember how they got into the ship. Um, but there's an ogre and his wife. And basically they outwit the ogre who has like a bad back. There's a bunch of bits about like him not being able to lift them and put them into this like boiling pot of water because his back hurts too much. So then there's like a scene of all of the like time bandits and the like the boy who's the protagonist like stretching him out to like uh, relax his back. And he's like, oh, this is so great. And then they throw him overboard. And then his wife comes out and is like, oh, what are you doing in the water? And then they knock her overboard and they're like not smart uh yeah outsmarting ogres seems to be a running thread when it comes to a lot of the the pop culture depictions of ogres like i Mm -hmm. i hear a version of that um when i was looking for books on it you know we were talking about charles perot um 
he has a very famous depiction of ogres. It's a story. Uh, it's called Hop on My Thumb. Oh yeah. Uh, in in French, it, it sounds but it's it's le, le petit poussette, which is like the little poussette, basically, is uh, mm-hmm. the the kid's name. And essentially, the plot is what we know of as as Hansel and Gretel. Poor mm-hmm. people have too many kids. They leave them in the woods. They end up in, but instead of finding uh, a witch's house, they find an ogre's house, and the mm-hmm. ogre lets them sleep in their house, but intends to eat them. But of course, Hop of My Thumb figures this out. And so um, they were wearing like cute little bonnets and the ogre's daughters have little crowns. Like, I guess maybe they're ogre royalty. That was, that part was not clear to me, but anyway, so he swaps out their, like what they were wearing on their head. And so the ogre ends up killing his daughters instead of Hop on my thumb and his brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they hop on my thumb leads his brothers out of the house and out to safety. And then of course the ogre wakes up and realizes his terrible mistake and goes chasing after the boys. And um they hide in a little cave nearby, and the ogre is tired and he happens to rest close to where they're hiding. And um so hop on my thumb gets his brothers off to safety and he removes the sleeping ogre's boots and he puts them on and because they are magical boots they resize to fit him and then uses those boots to make a uh make his fortune and he and his family live happily ever after Hmm. so all of this is to say is that the reoccurring theme of ogre is going to try to eat me i'm just going to outsmart him is very much uh, but also, a running what, theme. What I've learned is that the the um, running theme for Charles Perrault is boots. That guy loves boots. He loves boots. boots I know, magical stuff. boots. Yeah, he's a big fan of uh, boots. Um, I mean, I things... appreciate a good pair of foot. You know, if you've got a like a, a really kicking pair of shoes, you could do pretty much anything. Honestly, it's a good point. Yeah, you're in a good mood when you've got uh, fresh socks, new kicks. You uh, appreciate your shoes. footwear. You know, or like, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to like, oh, I've got my fancy shoes. And when I mm-hmm. put on my fancy shoes, I feel fancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of things uh, that were French and therefore confusing to me, um, <laughs> there was a film uh, that I found that is an American Canadian film called Ogre that was made in 2008 by the Sci-Fi Channel. Now, this film is not originally in French, but the only version that I could find online was a French dub of the movie. So I tried for a little bit. How incredibly to, Canadian. So I tried to watch it for like 10 minutes with like the YouTube translator of like French to English so that it would be back in English. But it was so hard to watch that I kind of gave up on it. But I did find a uh, supercut of every single death in the movie in English uh, that I thought gave me a good understanding of the ogre in that film, which was like a giant, almost like troll-like uh, creature with like grayish skin. Uh, I think my favorite, because I did get to watch all 20 kills, is one where he just bites the head off somebody and just hucks them away. So it's a um, horror movie? Yeah, it's like okay, a horror film okay. and it's like these people stumble upon a society that's in a bit like of a kind of magical time loop. Um, so there's like, again, I did not watch the full film, but what I got from the supercut and the description and the first 10 minutes is that um, they, 
like they're kind of trapped there. It seems that like they're released uh, into these like balls of light. Uh, I think something related to the ogre. Uh, time will tell. If anybody can find this movie, I'm ogre, so amused. 2008 so- in actually English, which it was made in, not the French dub, which I could find was the only thing on the internet. Please tell me if I'm correct in the plot and whether it's worth my time uh, seeing now as I've seen all 20 kills in the movie without context. <laughs> I am now trying to imagine, okay, you are watching an English movie that yes. has been dubbed in French yes. and then trying to put the English subtitles back on. Yes, but it's not the English subtitles. It's like- Amazing. It was the YouTube live translating French language back to English, even though it was originally an English movie with a French dub. I don't, it was, it took, I just gave up. It was too obscure. And I was like, I do kind of know French. Like I, for a little while, I was like, I can follow some of this, but it was just kind of, uh infuriating so i decided to go with the supercut as uh, a topic of conversation um yeah so those are the films i guess that it would fall under um but there's there's other kind of um ogres in pop culture that i think are definitely worth talking about um one of the depictions that i really like is a tv show called disenchantment which i think we've talked about on the show before um and the ogres are reoccurring uh, occurring characters on that show um they have a little kingdom called ogre land uh and an ongoing war with gnomes uh when they they kill each other whenever they meet and actually in the most recent season um there is uh, an ogre queen grogda who is seen as quite nice but also becomes a real pivotal character uh in the story and there is a, a important plot line uh that involves pops and Elfo, and the Ogress. And by me saying the three things, you can probably figure out what that storyline is about. A character <laughs> named Pops, and Ogress, and a young man named Elfo. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, because I think is... that reveal is... Well, but we know that Elfo is Pops' son. Yes. And yes. we know that and... he doesn't know his mother. And we know that and... Pops and Grogda were close (laughs) and that elfo is unusual for an elf yes he is an unusual elf uh anyway so i thought that was actually one of the standout (laughs) episodes like um i always want to say matt groaning but isn't it i think it's graining graining anyway matt graining he always has these nice kind of i think really moving sentimental story arcs every once in a while threaded into his um kind of like trophy stories which are great too that I love, but like this felt like a standout for the most recent season that it was like actually kind of like moving the way that they told that story. Um, yeah, he so has a lovely way out. of taking like really uh, on paper, really absurd situations and making them quite endearing and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Very but much, in this case, yeah. I liked that the, like uh, Grogda is definitely a like tender, sympathetic, caring ogre still like a capable fighter in combat but it's it's it was an interesting depiction of an ogre in comparison to some of the other ones that i have which just like killing machines um i would say another great uh killing machine version of the ogre is they're like a staple monster in final fantasy and i was looking up um you know the way that they're depicted and one of my takeaways from that was 
And what I really love about the Final Fantasy franchise is, yes, so ogres appear in Final Fantasy in almost all of the games, but they redesign the like the imagery every single time. So you get these like, I mean, some of it is just like the progression of technology, I think, is always furthering like what they think they could do. Um, I remember around like Final Fantasy, I want to say 11 or 12, the designers were like, yeah, we're finally able to actually render the concept art that they made 20 years ago. Like they made this beautiful concept art and then it gets turned into this tiny 8-bit like image that is like a very basic version of something complex. But like we see a better interpretation, but also a different interpretation in every single game. So I think that's an exciting part of that franchise. And you can just see like, different uh artists like coming at uh, the idea of an ogre basically 15 times now um so you can look at kind of the different versions of final fantasy if you're interested as i was um yeah the elder scrolls franchise has always had ogres as part mm -hmm. of each one of their games as well too and again it was like in a very similar thing in that as you go through the evolution of elder scrolls and you know morrowind and then oblivion and then skyrim and uh like i'm often talk about i obsessively play elder scrolls online these days mm -hmm. the depiction of the ogres i have i have a funny oblivion story about ogres though are ogres a playable character as well no like orcs no. are you could be orcs right. are a playable race but within the elder scrolls world ogres are uh very you know rather mindless dumb they do not mm -hmm. have a language you cannot communicate with them. they're more like giants kind of in that yeah though giants are a different thing mm within that world yeah what is the um, the like image of them in uh skyrim like what do they look like a pretty serious like they're quite tall rounded head uh gray skin they wear a mm -hmm. loincloth a lot of them will have a uh club with them though not always and mm -hmm. they're just um like they're just antagonistic NPC characters. Like you mm -hmm. get close enough to them and they, they get triggered and they start attacking you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're kind of simplistic in video games. Sometimes you don't get the same level of uh, yeah. empathy that you get in. Uh, well, and, so here's where the, the funny. So in, I learned in, in playing oblivion, oblivion was probably like my first real foray into RPG gaming. And I just absolutely enamored of it and i came to realize that because oftentimes there are requests for it's like you meet a person he's like i'm lost i need you to help me take me home and mm -hmm. they intend for you to then directly take them home mm -hmm. but they do have a basic sense of self-preservation programmed into them and so i came to realize oh if i don't take this person home with me straight away he could be like an extra pair of hands to help fight off <laughs> stuff as i encounter uh -huh. it right and uh so there was one storyline where you find a pair of twins and I cannot remember the exact circumstances of it, but essentially the version of it is, is we we're lost. We need to go home. Mm -hmm. And, um, I turned them in fairly early, but my husband, of course, learning this hack of like, oh, you could just keep them with you to have an extra pair of hands to fight things. Um, took like carried them around like or brought them around with him for a very, very long time. And ultimately, um, one of the twins ended up being killed by a group of ogres. Uh -huh. Like their sense of, <laughs> they ended up dying because their stats, their hit points were not high enough. Yeah. And um, now Oblivion came out in 2006. So while it was absolutely revolutionary when it came out, there were some things that were still a little glitchy about it, mm -hmm. including uh, then he could not 
reload a game that had the twins still alive oh no i feel <laughs> so like there from was from then yeah, on i thought like the worst thing that would happen is that, that they could die yeah you definitely couldn't finish that quest that's no. sometimes the thing that like it was it wasn't so it's not supposed to be perma death but it yeah. just happened to be because like he encountered this glitch but it was yeah it was really funny and like so what well, 2006 was what how long ago 16 um, years ago a little while ago yeah. yeah still to this day he's like and i never got to turn in the twins yeah it's funny gwent and witcher 3 i played a lot of witcher 3 and all of the expansions but the main file i didn't really realize until maybe 10 20 hours into the game that i missed one of these like early cards like there's a card game built into the rpg and it's ungettable like once you have passed that plot line there's a thing in witcher 3 where it's very much like you choose your own adventure in a very strong way but because i had invested so much time into the game i wanted to beat every part of it and it infuriated me that i could not beat went because i had just like walked away from a tea party uh um, <laughs> you know uh, so i guess it it happens I felt um, that way about the collectible bobbleheads in Fallout. In the mm -hmm. Fallout games, you can go around and collect these bobbleheads and they give you, um, like it then boosts your stats for that particular thing that it is a, the bobblehead collectible for. Mm -hmm. And there was one that was in a vault that was pivotal to the main storyline. But at one point in that storyline, you had to escape this vault and it was like, you have to do it within a certain amount of time. And it was mm -hmm. only after the, and then you could not go back because I think it was like the vault blew up or something like that. And it was only after the fact that I looked into it. Cause I was like, I don't have all the bobbleheads. Where do I find all these other bobbleheads I'm missing? And one of them was in that vault that had blown up that I could never go back and retrieve. And I was just like, oh, mm -hmm. well, now me. that we've gotten our, um, you know, uh, tangent in for the, for sure, the podcast, yeah. which is a necessary uh, step in in every coverage of pop. It's culture. inevitable. Yeah. Um, I can I can drop back in with um, one of. We Madrin's, should talk about some ogres. Yeah, one of Madrin's <laughs> favorite touchstones, which is the Pokemon universe. Um, there is a uh, Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield called Grimmsnarl, um, which is like a very powerful, large, hairy Pokemon uh that resembles an ogre i mean debatably you could see it as a troll um but it is the most ogre looking thing that i can think of as the as basically a pokemon um and if you look it up it is like has a lot of those features i believe it's like green and purple uh yeah primarily purple and it's got like kind of like a green face and feet um and it's more of like a, a traditional monster um, it could also be Gigantamax, to, which is just a giant version of the same thing in the most recent uh, Pokemon game. Um, it, in video games, uh, The Legend of Zelda also has something that's kind of, I'd say, ogre adjacent in the, the Hinoxes, which are massive, powerful, one-eyed creatures um, that appear um, in uh, Breath of the Wild. I think they also appear earlier as these kind of like Cyclops looking things, but they basically spend most of their time like eating and sleeping. But if you get close to them, like they will like rip you apart. Like in Breath of the Wild, there's a strategy to like 
they often have like kind of treasures like on their back or they're guarding it like right in underneath them. So if you like kind of fly in like off your parasail or whatever, right to exactly where it is and land on its back, you could just like try to grab the thing and take off so that you don't have to fight them. Cause it's just a, like, even if you wanted to defeat it, which you could get some benefits from doing, it's just a pain in the ass. So um, those are, are cool creatures. And early in the game, if you accidentally stumble into one, like you just will die. <laughs> it is it's better to go around, um, which is really kind of the fun of that game anyway. Um, there's also a very modern uh, Italian fairy tale from the 90s that I found called uh, Gorgo the Ogre. And in this, I thought it was interesting because they differentiated the ogres into three types. So they had red ogres, which are large and brutish. Um, and basically, like, you must, uh, like, kill a monster to achieve adulthood and uh, then they'll like turn red um but th these red ogres are otherwise good natured um that you can be a golden ogre um and that are beautiful and virtuous and that's only if um they have no other choice but to defend themselves and then finally they have like black ogres uh that are always chaotic evil monsters that come in all shapes and size and i think it's interesting that both like the color and kind of defined the ogre in the way they manifest, but also like their choice is what made them who they are. So it's like the ogres that kill were red, the ogres that um, like as protected themselves were uh, gold. And I'm not sure how the black ogres manifested or if they were just evil. I think it's maybe like a path of going down, like from being a red ogre turning into a, a black ogre. But anyway, I thought that was interesting that their color defined their yeah, uh, kind of. That mood. is cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, typically, yeah, we see that ogres are, or we, as we have talked about, we see that ogres have unusual colored skin, but it's interesting that in this particular depiction, there's reasoning behind it. Mm -hmm. I found, and I'm, I'm surprised by this. I found a queen song called ogre battle. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I thought like, I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty decent queen fan i have uh -huh. a lot of their albums i we think have talked i know about this in the past and you've described yeah. yourself as a fan of queen and i had not heard this song before but yes it is it, the name of the song is ogre battle and it literally just tells the story of a battle between a group of ogres mm -hmm. and it is very queen epic strange just totally Freddie Mercury doing his thing. Like cool. the lyrics are the ogre men are inside the two way mirror mountain. They're running up behind you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, and basically, yeah, it just tells the story of the battle between a group of ogres. And then at the end of it, there's a big trumpet blow and the ogre battle lives on forever in the mountains. Nice. Yeah. I always love a nice unhinged Freddie Mercury. Just right? doing it's his very Freddie Mercury thing. Doing you know? his thing. It seems very like operatic. Uh, yes, it's very it like too. truly, truly the true uh, pure definition of epic. Nice. Is this song. Yes. Nice. Um, well, that's all that I've got for pop culture, Madrin. It's your last call before we take a little break and then jump in with uh, Gozerian. <laughs> Um, no, I am dying to talk to Gozerian because I that is a monster from Ghostbusters. And I would like to know if this is pure coincidence or if it's the same one or if they're related. And I'm just dying to know. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I got to talk uh, to this guy. Well, hopefully you won't be dying uh, when we meet him because we have other episodes to make. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> yeah, you could probably do it without me. <laughs> uh, it would be a lot more difficult it and fun. it would be a lot less fun, Matron. Um, it would be also a lot less welcoming if I brought in someone else <laughs> and said, hey, the last person, were they were great, but they died. One of the, <laughs> the hosts died, so now I'm doing this myself. It's one thing to tell our hosts um, that, you know, that all the interns die, which is a, I mean, you know, not all, and I shouldn't say uh, die always, but uh, anyway, the interns know what they're getting into, but the, for a host, I mean, we have to That's uh, true. That's true. have a nice, uh, safe, welcoming space. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and when we get back, we'll be joined by Gozeri. Welcome back to Monstrology. Um, we are now joined by Gozerian, who is a real life ogre. Um, welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to, to our, our very welcoming, welcoming and warm podcast. Yeah. 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 Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. 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 Gozerian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're happy to have you. Um, what do you got going on today? What have you been doing? Well, uh, I just got done doing my garden out front. Ooh. And oh, nice. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice. It's nice. What's uh, is it like uh, like a like a flower garden or is it a vegetable garden? What are you growing? Yeah, in I don't know. Garden? Just uh, kind of whatever grows. We got a little bit of vegetables. We got some uh, hot peppers. We got some daisies. Nice. Then we got some uh, Venus flytraps. And then I'm kind of oh. doing this thing right now. I'm trying to make it a little bit more, a little bit more threatening. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so maybe like with like poison ivy or something. No, 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 that's too soft, too soft. No, oh. what we got is uh, we got those like giant, like man eating, you know, kind of like oh. Venus fly traps oh. looking. Kind of oh, some, some Audrey okay. the Second uh, okay. looking things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We should, yeah. Uh, we had, we've done uh, some, some man eating plants. Uh, I did research at one point the variety of real life man eating plants. So mm -hmm. I'll send you the list uh, uh, later on um, just for your own uh, reference to build your garden right. there. Um, but you, so you have a garden, so it seems to give a fair amount of land by which to have a garden. Where in the world are you, uh, broadcasting from right now to us? So, uh, uh, okay. Let me see. As of right now, I'm in uh, the land known as Gozeria, hence okay. my name. Oh, okay. And, uh, it's just kind of North of, uh, Iceland, just about, oh. uh, 300 kilometers. Okay. Uh, or miles, whatever. Uh, I don't know what metric you guys use over there. I'm surprised yeah. you can grow so many lush and lovely things if you're that far north. I wouldn't think that a daisy would like to be 300 miles north of well, Iceland. you know, it is a magical land, so kind of whatever oh, I want to go. And they were, that makes sense. And that imagine makes they sense. were just planted this morning, some of them. So oh, yeah. fair. They, they, fair, could, fair. they could not make it. We don't yet know how long they will deal in that climate. But if it is a magical climate, um, perhaps they'll do quite well. Yeah, I mean, you also got to remember, like, as an ogre myself, uh, mm -hmm. we do love plants, whether they're alive or dead. Ah, good point. I mean, it is probably more threatening to be surrounded by, uh, like, if it's a daisy, for example, a dead daisy is more threatening than an alive daisy. Uh, Absolutely. If, if they're man-eating plants, sure, we want them to be alive. That establishes your uh, kind of dominance on that territory. But um, yeah. do you have a problem with people wandering into your garden or wandering into your space? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Like, why do you want such threatening foliage? Well, here's the thing. Okay, so as I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure if you guys know about the history of ogres, but uh, we we've you know over the years have been known as these terrible, 
kind of scary man eating child eating, especially babies. They're pretty good, uh, baby eating monsters. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I have, I'm trying to turn a new leaf. I did have an incident that, uh, made me want to be a better, better ogre. And, uh, yeah, I'm turning, I'm turning a new lead and, um, it's just kind of how it's going. But at the same time, I don't want to be bothered. I really don't. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let let my home be what it is. All right. Just leave me be, leave me be. I'll come to you. Don't, don't you come to me. There. Well, now you, you did mention it, uh, and you know, we can uh, go to different subjects, but do you mind talking about the incident that, that led to this kind of, uh, personal transformation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, my last, uh, my last hut, as they call it, mm-hmm. uh, it was, uh, just a casual, uh, Wednesday night, you know, sitting there eating babies by the handful hump, hump day, and, you know, uh, Wednesday hump day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hump day. And, uh, as I was there just eating my babies, I guess, uh, all the parents of those, uh, dead babies actually came and they set my hut on fire. Oh, and, uh, I yeah, well, almost parents don't generally like it when you eat, eat their babies. Um, at least not the firstborn. Yeah, I don't have a lot of evidence of that in humans, but uh, I've seen on, you know, nature channels in general, you know, uh, animals. Uh, I imagine it's the same for humans as well. Well, that, that's often a, th- a recurring theme with some of our guests is that they enjoy a baby snack. And mm-hmm. uh, typically, you know, the parents of the babies, they're not down for that. Yeah, yeah which is too bad because zero to three months just tastes great. Oh, yeah. really? Well, I guess they're like, they're the freshest, right? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the veal of human beings. Quite honestly, or even a filet mignon. Mm. Yeah, I've never tried it, but I hear it's great. When you say that you had this incident that these parents came and they burned down your hut, and I can imagine that that was quite scary for you. And so, what is it that your your new outlook on life is? Or like, have you stopped eating babies? Are you just going to be maybe more discerning about which babies you eat? Like, what what is your new life philosophy? So here's the thing. Okay, so I was actually saved by a rabid uh, gnome by the name of Walter. A gnome, and uh, yeah, and as you know, we used to feud with the gnomes quite a bit. Yeah, Um, I've seen that depicted. Yeah, so he's the one that kind of one of my greatest enemies can kind of help bring me to to safety. Then maybe I can. uh, clean up my act a little bit too mm. so uh i'd probably say uh sorry what was the other half of that question well just what your new life philosophy is like what what are the changes in your life now yeah so the change in my life i mean uh, well just going back to diet uh i no longer eat humans which is a uh, pretty big Whoa. deal for me wow that is a big deal and yeah. so is that why you've got this garden to yeah to- well well not necessarily. I mean, I'll, I'll eat the peppers, but that's about it. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess what I am now is what you guys would call a vegetarian. Okay. And oh. uh, I only eat animals now. Do you have any hot, hot peppers? And just because oh, yeah. I'm thinking about peppers, do you have a high threshold for eating heat? Does oh, it, does it huge. bother you? Huge. Yeah. Okay. Mine are, uh, what I got right now is I got a Gozerian Reaper. It's kind of oh, like a Carolina okay. Reaper, but wow. uh, way worse. You did your own pepper uh, pollinating to create that with some Gozerian peppers? Yeah, I did some Gozerian peppers, did some Carolina Reapers, and then I did some ghost peppers. And now I got the Gozerian Ghost Carolina Reaper, which is uh, it's actually the hottest in the world, but uh, people don't know about it just yet. Yeah, well, that could be a whole franchise for you as well. I mean, that could be a whole living. Um, I do have a question. Uh, You know, it's a touchy subject for humans. I don't know how it is for for ogres talking about how much money they have. 
But um, in our research, it was not consistent. Some ogres seemed to have almost nothing and, and didn't care for material things at all. But, but in other research, it seemed that some ogres had very lavish lifestyles, uh, fine clothing, a, a large castle. Big castles. Yeah. 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 So I guess, uh, well, I did grow up in a castle before my parents passed away. Okay. And uh, it was, the castle was nice. I'm not going to lie. It was, a, it was a nice castle. But uh -huh. uh, since then, since I've had to kind of, you know, fight for my own and make my own kind of living. I, uh, I really don't care for material things. Mm. So I'll just, uh, I'll be in my little hut and I'll do my own little scavenging here and there. And, uh, you know, if I want something, I'll usually get it. But, uh, well, is, is the castle in Gozerian? Uh, yes, it is in Gozeria, which is, uh, like, I, I actually truly don't know my real name actually. Okay. So that's wow. why I just go by Gozerian. Oh, oh, so you named yourself after the land in which you live. Yeah, quite honestly, because uh, not even the uh, humans that we did used to live with uh, mm. in the castle, um, not even they knew my name. So right before I killed them, I demanded uh, demanded to have a name. Mm. Well, but did you say that you remember your parents? Very little. I was about mm, I was about four or five. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Okay. Now, now, do you have a problem with humans kind of getting into the castle when you're not around? Uh, you said you meant you killed some of the humans that were in the castle, but like, yeah. is that an ongoing problem? I mean, you don't want to live there, but you probably don't want someone else to live there either. It's no, a, probably yeah. a tricky legacy. Listen, I, I don't have, like I said, I don't have problems or real problems with humans now. It's just uh, those ones, uh, they were assholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they went by... Um, Oh shoot! What was their name again? Uh, Trumps. Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah. a bunch of Trumps. So uh, I was like, oh, I'll snap their neck any day. Yeah, yeah, we got a problem with those uh, just south of here, actually, and some of them seem to be migrating north, unfortunately, all the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I can't believe that they made it all the way over there. Um, good luck. Yeah, I took uh, care of them. They're they're non-existent here now, which is nice. Oh good. Oh good. We can just stop that. Uh, stop that bloodline. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so you said you like uh, you like reapers. You're no longer eating humans. Do you have a go-to food of choice? And even uh, let's be honest, now before did you have a food of choice uh, when you were when you were eating the humans? Yeah, well, uh, let's see here. Like I said, zero to three months uh, for humans was uh, the number one uh, best okay. tasting I've ever had. But if you put a little uh, Gozerian reaper, you know, right right on the snout of the of the baby. Okay. You just get all the good stuff and it's juicy and it's hot and it just flares up your entire system. And man, let me tell you, you're on, you're out in the outhouse for at least a mm -hmm. solid four days and it feels the greatest. Like you can lose 25 pounds just by yeah. having one of those meals. Yeah. Yeah. That would really flush the system right out, I guess. Oh, yeah. uh, one of those uh, uh, reapers. Um, now you do you have a, a kind of goal that, that you're hoping to, to to fulfill now? You've got your new um, kind of home, you, you know, you've got your, your kind of reaper, um, you know, uh, cross pollinating, but like, wh what do you see in the next five years for you? You know? Well, uh, I'd really like to get into movies. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, like I've noticed over the years that there's actually a huge, huge uh kind of market for ogre movies yeah yeah i mean this it's pretty untapped there's a canadian american film uh there's a, a franchise called uh shrek i'm not sure oh, if you've no, heard of I this franchise that. yeah that made it yeah. over it made it over to you yeah i was actually supposed to be in that but uh shrek is a bit of a jerk and I uh see. 
he decided we had this whole buddy cop thing going on for a little while and uh supposed to go on this big crazy adventure and then pretty much like near the last uh, i want to say maybe week before going in production they recasted me for a donkey oh Oh, so your part was it was supposed to be like a two ogre buddy comedy and instead now it's a donkey now it was a donkey yeah Yeah, it doesn't sit well with me so uh shrek and i we have some uh well i wasn't aware that it was uh you know um a biographical film uh i had always thought that it was uh fiction based off a book but it seems that book uh, had an earlier history yeah no the Um, book was actually based off my life and, wow! Uh, so so Shrek you were even, the Shrek. I was the Shrek. So even Shrek is uh, we haven't talked in many years. But you see, Shrek well, I can understand actually, why. Uh, you know, yeah, and I I don't plan on ever talking to him again uh, yeah. until until I get my movie. Now there could be a bit of a snafu here that I What's think. That? Uh, well, you want to make your your name in in the film business, right? As a performer, would that be the goal for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is another mm-hmm. franchise that uses the word gozerian now imagine we're a pretty big fan of this franchise and and it might be hard to shake that if you're trying to reestablish which is in the ghostbusters yeah have you ever heard of ghostbusters it's it's a group it's a group of humans who essentially spend their time uh trapping ghosts from our realm uh, hmm. who aren't really supposed to be here but they're the main supernatural i guess villain uh mm-hmm. is named gozerian uh and really he's he's the the bad guy in yeah, those movies like, i don't a, know he's if a big really bad. yeah i uh i wish uh i wish somebody uh, told me about this because it's clearly based off my heritage oh because um, I'm, I'm not familiar with this uh Ghost Smashers, is that what you said? Busters, Ghostbusters. Uh, Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, the the intern there, um, Greg. Greg's a big fan. Um, you can maybe ask Greg about um the Ghostbusters. Is he around? Greg. Yeah. Um. Uh, hey, Greg. I think they want to chat to you here. Oh. Oh no. Uh, sorry. Uh, Greg. Um. He actually. Uh. He can. He can no longer speak. Uh, there. There was an incident involving a, a former monster that he. Uh, interviewed and, and he's lost um the oh, use of his vocal yeah. cords yeah uh, i was wondering maybe... why he's a uh, he hasn't said a word all day yeah strong but silent strong but silent. awkward yeah well yeah. he can maybe uh write it out for you uh maybe draw a picture of the ghostbusters um yeah, yeah greg can you just draw a picture of the ghostbusters there for uh, gozerian yeah maybe oh, yeah, and yeah. maybe show him what the ghostbusters version of gozerian looks like the okay. kind of you know give him a good idea well he's not oh, a great yeah. artist i have to say it's coming it's through a little clunkily but uh, oh you here it is right here yeah it's kind of um oh all right yeah it looks kind of like a almost like a woman i i don't know well at least a human woman that is i, yeah, I, I don't, i'm not well, I think as she familiar could be possessed uh i think she's possessed by mm-hmm. Uh, oh no he's shaking his head he's shaking his head he says no now he's just writing stuff out uh oh proper name is gozer Uh gozer is a god Uh and has two minions that are called you need you need to have better writing what do you Terror well, dogs. Yeah, they're kind of like gargoyle-like mm. things in the film. Yes. Anyway, all of this is to say, if you're trying to come out and be, you know, the next, uh, and this is uh, some of our guests have 
you know, had this interest in fame before to, to be the next, uh, you know, Brad Pitt of the yeah. Hollywood franchise. Uh, you're going to have a, a tough time shaking this reputation. And you you said that this could be related to your own heritage, you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Gozeria has been here since day one. Like a lot of people like to call, you know, back when the earth was first created uh, Pangea. Uh-huh. And uh, that's mm-hmm. actually wrong. It was actually pronounced Gozeria. Oh, oh. Yeah. so you're yeah. saying it broke into all these different continents, but um, Gozeria did not move. It, it no, Gozeria like... did not move. It pretty much stayed the exact same the entire time. And oh. uh, yeah. Do you have any uh, cool other animals there? Like, uh, well, I guess a dinosaur isn't an animal, but I always have a curiosity about uh, evolution. If anything's lasted, like, do you still have a platypus? We don't really have platypuses. Yeah, we got anymore. platypuses. We got dodo birds. They're pretty much the meal of choice now. They're fantastic. Oh, nice. Uh, every now and then in our waters, you see some plesiosaur. Oh, um, very cool. Which is great. Uh, which a lot of people think Loch Ness Monster isn't real. Trust me, it is a plesiosaur. Oh, we know. Yeah, we actually oh, met. Oh, yeah, uh, we've met the we Loch Ness Nessa. Monster. Yeah, no yeah, way. Some variants. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's no very way. nice. How, she's how, got how's a- she doing? Uh, you know, I think she was getting by, you know, trying to make friends. Yeah, with the fish. she seemed a little lonely, but but had some ambitions. Yeah, so I nice, think nice. Yeah, I think she's okay. Yeah, she's doing well in her hidey hole down there. So I can yeah. tell you, yeah, maybe maybe we should uh, send her over to meet some of these. Uh, you said plesiosaurs, plesiosaurs. Yeah, yeah, please, yeah, plesiosaurs. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, maybe we can uh, get them uh, get them together for a little. Uh, well, I don't want to say a play. Little date. meet and greet. Maybe oh, a little meet, meet and greet. And greet yeah, you know, Vanessa's a grown adult. She doesn't do play dates, but. Imagine, is there any burning question that you want to ask uh, Gozerian? I mean, this time is limited. I, I know that, um, you know, you have important business to do over there to, to recreate, um, you know, your legacy, but. Yeah. Continuously I, growing peppers and just trying to make it in Hollywood. Uh, at least, is that what they call it? Hollywood? Hollywood? Well, do you think there's a story? Holy? Holy? Maybe this is a good way, but do you have a, think there's a story in there about, you know, like your life story about someone who's trying to just, just, make a name for yourself and and maybe uh franchise their peppers i mean i've listened to some people talk about hot hot peppers people love hot peppers it's yeah. a yeah. kind of a really well and hot popular... sauce in particular has become yeah. a huge huge industry where we are i mean i will tell you personally there are no fewer than six different kinds of hot sauce in my fridge right now yeah Have you ever yeah. been apparently hot sauce is now uh past ketchup as the most mm-hmm. um popular uh sauce i can worldwide. imagine yeah i believe it i believe it you ever been on hot ones have you ever seen an episode of hot ones that guy who yeah yeah i've seen uh, episodes of hot ones and uh i don't know i kind of think uh i think someone got a little tip about what i wanted to do and uh kind of took my idea mm-hmm. again Wow, that seems to be that seems to really be a problem for you now. I think that's about the third time that you've said that yeah. you had an idea and and someone else has just run with it. Now, are there people surveilling your space? Is that part of the problem here? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's tons of people uh, surveying my space, hence the reason why I still have those giant. Uh, I believe you called them Audrey plants uh, yeah, out yeah. front because uh, mm-hmm. I'm tired of it and I'm tired of having my ideas stolen. And, Every single time I see one of these pesky buggers, it's uh, it's harder to stay vegetarian. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, 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 now, mm-hmm. Uh, have you considered writing out your ideas on a on a piece of paper, or do you put it into a computer? Like, how are they how are they gaining this data? You know, how are they how are they learning your uh, your you know 
He's really creative. Well, you see, I just, uh, I just invented, uh, sorry, not invented, uh, invested in one of those smartphone things. Okay. And uh, I have things on what is called a, a Google Doc. Okay. And uh, I'm putting a lot of stuff over there. But uh, yeah, we I'm have not some sure of those goggles here as well. Oh, yeah. the goggles. Yeah, the yeah. Goggle is that what it is? Goggle? goggle? Yeah, I think that's how everyone has always said it, right? Imagine goggle. Oh, goggle doc. Oh, I thought it was juggle. Juggle. Yeah, well, like, a, you know, like Scandinavian, right? It's like juggle. Juggle? It's like you yeah. don't even pronounce it? Like a juggle doc? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think uh, one of us is right for sure. So Yeah. Some, yeah. So anyway, oh, you've got a document in there. You're tracking yeah, I got a document ideas. filled with ideas and stuff. Now, but, uh, if you go to the top right-hand corner, you can kind of see who's been invited to the document. Uh, how many people do you have on that list? Uh, oh, jeez. That's 77 billion. Seven. Oh. Seven billion. billion. That's. So that's a lot. That, yeah. That I've access that, that kind to of explains plans. why. In fact, you know, that's. Yeah, that's that's most. I don't know. That's a lot of the. What, what percentage of humans are there in the world? I feel like seven billion has got to be. I, oh no, there are seven. There aren't seven billion humans. I thought we were there were only about three. Well, but billion. when we include the magical universe, I guess. Well, of course, well. yeah, we're including the map. So yes, so and, that, and, that and there's like... probably some bots. But you're saying literally everyone that's ever existed has access to this. Pretty yeah. much, I can yeah, I no I bots. can already see Shrek's name right here. He has oh, everything man. I've ever written here. This is oh. this is truly. Disturbing. Well, I mean, there is a lot of Shrek content. We were talking about this. There are four yeah. movies. There Did are you, video wait, games. There's four now. There's yeah, a musical. Do you have some oh, holiday yeah. stories in there? Did you have something about Christmas? Uh, yeah. Shrek, Shrek the Halls. I used to call it Gozer the Halls. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, any other spinoffs from Shrek? Uh, Gozer the Third, which uh -huh. is one, and Gozer Forever After was supposed to be a film. And, well, uh, there is a Shrek Halloween uh, called uh, Scared Shrekless. Um, no, I'm seeing this discovery mm. here now. You know what? Uh, let's 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 do let's 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 uh, hash this out you right know what now. i think maybe but you know what I, our intern he's there with you he's silent but he's very intelligent he knows a lot about computers yeah. and, and technology and that sort of thing so but perhaps i honestly think once one I thinking, you know, perhaps maybe grid. once we once we we wrap up, he could perhaps show you how to lock down some of those documents so that you don't have seven billion people looking at all of your ideas i think he yeah. could help you out yeah, yeah give me thumbs up right here, right too. now. Yeah, yeah he great, can just write great. it out on on paper like he did those drawings. Uh, yeah, he is drawing a little thumbs up there. So thanks, Greg. That, that that means a lot. Thank you. Well, I'm you. really glad that we got to the bottom of this because it seems like you know those are great ideas. And, and yeah. based off all of the the success of the the Shrek franchise, uh, I, I think that you've really got uh, a real eye uh, for creative work and and a real talent uh, for storytelling. So. I'm sure, uh, without a doubt, that you're going to succeed in this industry once you don't have, you know, seven billion um, uh, people and and things uh, monitoring your every move. Uh, that, yeah, thank that, you. Yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are now at a very important segment on the show um, that uh, was uh, once called uh, pitches, um, and originally it was a very simple concept where you just pitched up on the show. Imagine wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, so imagine wanted us to rebrand it into a segment called with my dying breath, uh, mm -hmm. where we talked about elaborate stories with which, uh, we were dying and, um, now it's something called a coffee break. So if you like monstrology, you can go to 
www.ko-fi.com slash monstrology and you can hook us up with increments of five dollars that we could use towards getting a coffee or you know paying our pod b and account fees all that kind of basic boring stuff and if you just if you like monstrology check it out but this is the coffee break where we pitch some uh, some stuff that we think uh, might be worthwhile to you um uh gozerian uh, imagine do you have anything you'd like to pitch uh, to our listeners uh yeah yeah right. i uh have to say there's uh you guys are based out of canada isn't that right uh, that's right yeah. Yep. yeah yeah unless you were listening last week and, unless and unless you uh yeah. currently want to find and eat us uh in which case um i'm based out of los we're angeles we're in la yeah yeah but if LA. you don't want to eat or damage me and my loved ones uh i am based in uh, toronto that's the do you have uh, any newborns right now uh i don't nope. have any nope. newborns no nope. my cat um, is 16 she'd be old yeah. yeah my my dog's uh, almost eight so not, not terrible not that's not terrible but you know what you guys have been nice to me I'm my dog's be nice based to in los angeles too oh, thank so, you thank so, you so you know yeah, yeah no i got nothing i want to eat theirs but uh Speaking of Canada, yeah, there is a there's a lovely little brand that I do enjoy a lot right now that they're trying to grow, and uh, they send me a lot of stuff on their smartphone, uh-huh. uh, on my smartphone, I should say. Uh-huh. But it's a little energy drink called a Revita. 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 I should. Oh, say. Revita. Oh, yeah. Oh. R V I I T A. Like to Revita lies. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. But it's uh, it's made with natural teas and just has lovely little uh, healthy stuff in it. It's about thirty calories a pouch. Wow! But, uh, they've been very very kind to me, and uh, I want to give them a little shout out because uh, it's a lovely little product. Yeah, and, and tasty, nice. tasty, and, oh, uh, delicious, and uh, healthy. You said also. Yes. Yes. Yeah, tasty and healthy. Wow. All natural teas. Yeah. Well, if it's good enough for an ogre, it's it's certainly good enough for me, uh, as as you are a man of refined taste um madrin do you have anything you'd like to pitch i do and it basically is the same thing that i pitched in uh our last episode i an oldie but a goodie told you all, well a bit, well an oldie but a goodie but with one specific change uh right. i was saying that i appear in a sketch for a brand new show that's uh coming out on cbc gem the television show is called Lido tv it's a variety show so it's music interviews sketch comedy uh i've i've seen some clips of it i think it's going to be a really fantastic show and i had the honor of being in one of the sketches that is in the debut episode mm-hmm. which so, as we know from the last episode uh, premiered at tiff uh, it premiered at uh, tiff on like september on 11th yeah uh-huh. uh and so now i for anybody who is not in toronto or who missed out on the premiere at tiff um Earlier in September, everyone would be able to see it on CBC Gem on September 23rd. So that is this coming Friday. Uh, It's going to have its debut for the whole world to see. So CBC Gem, you can stream it online. I only know my sketch and just some of the little bit of promo things that I have seen. So I am really looking forward to seeing the whole show as it's all been put together. The creator, Lido Pimienta, is so funny, so creative, uh, there is nothing like her on TV, and I think the world will be a better place having Lido TV out for everyone to see. Nice. Congratulations, love now, that. Do you know if there's any uh, regional blackouts for that uh, CBC Gem Madrin? I, I, I think Gozeria might want to check it out, but I don't know if it makes it to Gozeria. Well, listen, because uh, because I want to start making uh, moves in the uh, acting and uh, 
industry, uh, you know, what's it called? Entertainment industry business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have made friends with a couple of Torontonians. Okay. Uh, oh, there you go. Torontonian actors. Uh, one named, uh, I think, Dewey or something like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's, it's and, Dewey uh, the improviser. Yeah. Yeah. That's the right. Actor, you, you, he's done yeah, some improv, heard of done some acting. Oh, yeah. He's, that's he's right. kind of making waves. Yeah, he's trying. He's trying. He, uh, I think last time he told me he has a possible show coming up at a comedy bar, Bloor, oh, yeah. uh, either in November or December or possibly October called Actors Nightmare. Nice. Nice. Uh, it's a fun I little just, improv uh, show. I've heard great things about that show. Yeah, put uh, on by greatest, greatest people ever. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And All then, right. Uh, what about you, Will? What do you got for well, us that you I want everybody a, to know a about? a book uh, that I got cool. recently, which is called uh, How to Be Perfect. Uh, the correct uh, answer to every moral question, uh, which is by Mike Schur, who's the creator of The Good oh, Place. Oh, love him. I don't think I pitched this uh, yet to our listeners at mm-hmm. home, but basically he uh, learned a lot about moral philosophy for the writing of uh, The Good Place, um, which to those who don't know is about somebody who uh, is a character that accidentally uh, is like a bad person that in the afterlife is sent to the good place. And it started out as Mike Schur, who's written uh, on The Office. Um, Parks and Rec. Uh, Parks and Rec, him. The Good yeah. Place. Great um, kind of, I'd say, high-level um, comedy, uh, like short-form writer. Um, but he he learned all of this like moral philosophy for the show. And so he's written a book about, um, you know, uh, philosophy that's not boring and it's very nice. like straightforward and um, yeah. It, like, he so came it's up the, with it's it. the Eleanor Shellstrop version of philosophy. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. But apparently he came up with, he used to think this like for his own entertainment, like when he was driving along in traffic, like uh, to, to just get out his own rage. He's like, well, someone cut me off. That's like minus 50 points. You know, I, <laughs> I held a door open for somebody that's uh that's 10 plus points. 10 yeah and apparently he was always thinking it through in his brain and that's where he came up with the idea for the good place but then he actually sat down and and learned from um actual like modern philosophers and he has distilled that down to this very kind of entertaining and uh reflective book that i'm really enjoying so uh i recommend checking it out it's a cool insight into both writing and philosophy in a way that is fun i think it helped me with uh my good person uh kind oh. of a journey I think it would be great. I think it uh, would be very relatable. Um, there's uh, a couple, um, you know, uh, philosophical uh, questions that it asks mm. uh, that I think uh, would benefit you uh, quite a bit. Well, hey, and when you're done with that, would you be able to uh, mail it to Gozeria? Yeah. Oh, I will. Uh, well, actually, well, we're in a bit of a conundrum because I, I don't want you to say your exact location on the air, but if you can just. Uh, mail me a letter from where you are with a return address i will send this book over to you uh but then no madrin all right madrin sidebar here i i can't let him know where i live either because he he tends to eat people but not not eating people right now oh and he has amazing hearing because he can hear our sidebar we know where he is right we had to send greg the intern to him right why can't we just Send it there. Well, he can hear everything that we're saying so far because apparently his hearing is so good. Should I just keep whispering or should I just... Just send the book to where you sent Greg. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Anyway... You can uh... send Greg over. He, Him and I are fine. Okay, good. Well, you know, I'll send it... uh, I'm just going to send it off to where I sent Greg and then it's going to make its way to you. You hear that, Greggy? Nice. He's heard it. You know what? I feel like you are uh, a reformed uh, ogre and so... 
um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna do well with any information that you have about me. Which, of course, as everyone knows, uh, I am based in Los Angeles, and so I will yes. make sure that you get that uh, that address. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, thank you uh, so much, Kazarian, for joining us. Um, uh, sometimes at the very end of the episode, I just like to open up the floor. If you have any words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners at home, something that really uh, sums up uh, uh, your um, you know, point of view. Um, something that you would like to leave our guests knowing to fulfill their lives a bit more. Well, as an ogre, uh, I'd probably have to say, have uh, uh, you guys ever seen the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze? Um, I have not. No, actually, but I know that it is quite popular for many people. It's yeah. an interesting film. It's an interesting film, but uh, being an ogre and trying to be a reformed ogre, I find the message in that movie is actually uh, pretty pretty solid for me right now. And uh, that's, uh, I'll leave you with this. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. And just for the, just for the record, you know, we know Shrek's sneaking into your documents. Did, did you come up with the onion thing? He you know, used the, the onion thing, didn't he? Oh, he he wrote in that he onion thing. Oh, the pain he, on your face just now. I know people yeah. can't see it, but you just this is obviously such a sore point for you. Yeah, ogres are like I'm so sorry. Yeah, but um, you know, you've got layers, and and we've learned a lot about your layers. So thank you for for sharing that uh, with us. Uh, and I cannot wait uh, to see your next work, uh, which will not be plagiarized by uh, anyone. So you and Greg, uh, keep up with the good work and uh, we'll make sure that somebody puts that in development for you. Um, uh, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening to episode 23 of Monstrology. Uh, we'll be back in another two weeks with another uh, episode. And until then, I hope that you encounter as many monsters as you would like. Could be a lot, could be a little. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Have a nice night. Bye. Monstrology is homegrown Canadian content. Co-hosted by Will King and Madrin McCabe. Edited and produced by Will King and distributed on the Podbean platform. As a young hatchling podcast, it means a lot to us if you rate, review, and subscribe to Monstrology on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your monsters are found. Mm-hmm.